Our main scripture this morning will be Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, which we, we will read just a little bit later. I'd like for you to go back in your memory just a, a little bit, or not memory because we weren't there, but had we been alive some 2,000 years ago, and if we had been followers of this man who claimed to be the Son of God, we would have probably experienced what may have been the most exciting seven to eight weeks that had happened in Christian history. If we look back, if, in, if we were alive back then, if we were looking back some 52 days, we would have seen the Son of God crucified on what was called, has been uh, called uh, Good Friday, even though at that time it did not seem good to us. Then some three short days later, uh, on what later generations would call Easter Sunday, we heard that the Son of God had been resurrected from the dead. This woman called Mary Magdalene had gone to the tomb early on the first day of the week following the Sabbath. She and some of the other women had gone there to anoint the body of their master. And Mary Magdalene was over, so overcome with grief that she had been crying so much that her vision was distorted. So we learn later from the Apostle John as he writes that Mary was in the garden where the Master had been buried. Mary had seen this man walking through the garden and she stopped the man or the man stopped and asked her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? And Mary Magdalene supposing that he was a gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have taken him, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Well, this man had to say one word to her. He said, Mary. And she knew immediately who it was. She answered him, Rabboni, or Rabbi, she knew that she was talking to her risen Lord. So she ran back into the city and told all those that had gathered in the upper room what she had just experienced. Later that very same day, Jesus appeared to two disciples who were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which was about seven miles away. The two disciples were talking as they were, were walking about the events that had happened over the last week. Suddenly, another traveler appeared with them. And when the three men reached Emmaus that night, the two disciples asked this third man if he would come and have supper with them. The traveler accepted the offer. And as they ate their meal, the traveler started to explain 
to the disciples about, about what had, would be recorded in the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 27, which says, And beginning with Moses and, and all the prophets, he, meaning the Messiah, expanded to those in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. <clears throat> Now it came to pass that as they sat at the table, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them to eat. And their eyes were opened immediately. They knew exactly who was there. Once again, the risen Savior had appeared. Well, the Savior disappeared out of the room, so immediately... The two men got up and traveled back to Jerusalem that very night again to the upper room where the other disciples had gathered. One thing you did not do in that time period was travel at night because of all the robbers and all the, the territory that you had to go through. So for these men to leave so late in the evening to go all the way back to Jerusalem, which was a, a good walk, seven miles, to deliver this message. Another appearance of the resurrected Jesus uh, was to the gathered disciples in Jerusalem. Luke, again, in chapter 24, verses 36 through 42, tells us that the disciples were locked away in an upper room where Jesus appeared in their midst, and said, Peace to you. They were all terrifying, fearing that they were seeing a spirit. But Jesus told them, Fear not. Look at my hands and my feet. See the nail prints, and see where the spear pierced my side. Still some of the disciples did not believe who he was. And Jesus asked, Do you have any food? Well, one of them gave him some broiled fish and some honeycomb. And Jesus took the food, his disciples gave it, and he ate it. And he told them, he said, If I were a spirit, could I have eaten this food? Jesus commanded his disciples to remain in Jerusalem until they received the Holy Spirit who would give them power. From on high. In Matthew 28, 16 through 20, the disciples went to Galilee to a mountain where Jesus told them to go, and there again he appeared to them. In Mark 16, 14 through 18, we read that Jesus appeared to the eleven as they sat at, at table, and he rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of heart. At this appearance, Jesus told the disciples, In my name, they, meaning the disciples, will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will, be my, well, they will take my servants. And if they drink anything deadly, they will by no means be hurt. And if the, they lay hands on the sick, they will be recovered. Again, the disciples 
some of the disciples were out on the Sea of Tiberias. Now, the Sea of Tiberias is the same Sea of Galilee that we read about most other places. Here it was called the Sea of Tiberias because it was renamed in honor of the Roman council, Tiberius Caesar. Simon Peter and six others were out on the boat and they had fished all night. As the sun began to come up, Jesus stood on the shore and called uh, to the disciples. He said, do you have any food? The men called back, no. Well, Jesus told them to cast their nets on the other side of the boat. And the men pulled on their nets and they counted 153 large fish in their nets. So many that it came close to sinking their tiny boat. So when the disciples had reached the shore, Jesus asked Peter to bring him some fish. So Jesus served his disciples a breakfast of fish and bread. So not only did he give his disciples a last supper, he also gave them a first breakfast. A week ago this past Thursday night, uh, we had a special service here at church. It was to mark Ascension Day. It had been 40 days since the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. And this day was when we celebrate Him ascending back up into heaven to be with His Father and to sit at His rightful place on the throne. Today is 10 days later. So with, that, with Ascension Day being 40 days, today is the 50th day since His resurrection. Today is the day that we call Pentecost, 50 days after His resurrection. Resurrection Day is always on Thursday, and it follows the Ascension Day uh, by 10, uh, excuse me, the Ascension Day is always on Thursday, and Pentecost is always on a Sunday. Now let's look at the first Pentecost after the crucifixion and burial and resurrection and ascension of our Lord. Up to this time, Pentecost had been observed 50 days after the offering of the first fruits as recorded in Leviticus 23, chapters 10, 15, and 16. Uh, at the Passover observation, it was the celebration of the wheat harvest while pilgrims gather, gathered from various nations of the Roman Empire. The crowds included Jews living outside of Palestine, as well as proselytes, Gentiles who had been fully converted and accepted the Jewish law. Luke lists their homelands beginning in the east, then going to Asia Minor, on the other Mediterranean areas such as North Africa, Rome, and Crete. So if you'll get your Bibles again and look at Acts 2, chapter 1, verses, uh, verses 1 through 13. And we read, When the day of Pentecost arrived, 
they were all gathered together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. The divide, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygria and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jew and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocked, saying, They are filled with new wine. When you mention the name of the Holy Spirit, many Christians connect it automatically as part of the Trinity, uh, together with God the Father and God the Son. And that is a true fact. He is a part of the Trinity, but He also has His own uh, characteristics and attributes that He normally uh, executes. We may define the work of the Holy Spirit as follows. The work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world, especially the church. Let me read that to you one more time. The work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in His church. The definition indicates that the Holy Spirit is a member of those uh, the Scriptures most often represent as being present to do God's work in this world. After Jesus had ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit is now the primary manifestation of the Trinity among us. He is the one who is most prominently present with us now. Jesus promised before he died that he would send a comforter to be with us, and that is he, the Holy Spirit. How far do we have to go in the Bible before we find out about the Holy Spirit? Not very far. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of of the waters. So even before the foundation of the earth was laid, the Holy Spirit is being mentioned. 
At, men, at Pentecost, it is the Holy Spirit who comes to grant power to the church. Because the Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity through whom God participates, uh, particularly uh, manifests His presence in the New Covenant Age. It is appropriate that Paul would call Him the first fruits uh, and the guarantee or down payment of what our lives are to be both in the new heaven and in the new earth. Isaiah 32 verses 14 through 18 predicts the time when the Spirit will bring abundant blessings from the Lord. Now God prophesied through Isaiah to Jacob, For I will pour water on the thirsty land. The streams of dry ground, I will pour my spirits upon your descendants and my blessings on your offering. Isaiah 44, 3. But on the other hand, the departure of the Holy Spirit removes the blessings of God from His people. But they rebelled and grieved His Holy Spirit. Therefore, He turned to be their enemy, and He Himself fought against them. Isaiah 63, 10. Now the rest of the time that we have this morning, we're going to look at the four aspects, not the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and bring uh, evidence of God's presence of their blessings. The four aspects of the Holy Spirit are that the Holy Spirit empowers. The second, the Holy Spirit purifies. The third is the Holy Spirit reveals. And the fourth uh, is that the Holy Spirit unifies. So the Holy Spirit empowers, purifies, reveals, and unifies. What is the first thing he does as far as empowering goes? First, he gives life. In the realm of nature, it is the role of the Holy Spirit to give life to all creatures that live, whether on the ground, in the water, or in the skies. Psalms 104.30 says, What you send forth your spirit, they are created. But again, on the other hand, if God should take away the spirit to himself and gather to himself his breath, all flesh would perish together and men would return to the earth. That's found in Job 34. So Jesus told Nicodemus, That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I tell you that you must be born again. He also said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits from nothing. John 6. Continuing with the life-giving function of the Holy Spirit is the fact that He was the Holy Spirit who conceived Jesus in the womb of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Then at end times, 
the same Holy Spirit will complete his life-giving works by giving a new uh, resurrection of life to our mortal bodies. Romans 8.11 reads, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the uh, dead dwells in you, He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The second thing that the Holy Spirit gives as far as empowering goes is that He gives the power of service. First, let's look at the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Spirit frequently empowered people with special, uh, for, for special service. He empowered Joshua with leadership skills and wisdom. He empowered the judges to deliver Israel from its oppressors. The list is long of those that he empowered. Note how the Spirit of the Lord came upon uh, Othaniel in Judges 3, Gideon in Judges 6, Japhath in Judges 11, and Samson in Judges chapter 13, 14, and 15. The Holy Spirit came upon King Saul to arouse him to battle against the enemies of Israel. And when David was anointed king, the Holy Spirit also protected Jesus' people and enabled them to overcome their enemies. Some of those examples are when God put His Spirit in the midst of them at the time of their exodus. Again, He put the Holy Spirit in the midst of His people on their return from the exile. So while Saul was trying to capture and kill David, the Holy Spirit came upon Saul's messengers and later came upon Saul himself. Finally, the Old Testament predicts a time when the Holy Spirit will anoint a servant Messiah with great fullness of power. Isaiah 11 verses 2 and 3 says that, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what he, his eyes sees or decide disputes by what his ears hear. Isaiah prophesied that God would say of the coming servant, he says that I put my spirit upon him in Isaiah 42, 1, and he himself would say that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me, Isaiah 61, 1. Now let's go to the New Testament and see what it has to say about the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is first seen in the anointing and empowering of Jesus as Messiah. It's recorded that in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke that the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus at His baptism. John the Baptist is recorded as saying, 
I saw the Spirit as a dove from heaven, and he remained on him. John 1, 32. When Jesus left the Jordan River and entered the desert for 40 days of trial and temptation, it says that he was full of the Holy Spirit. It's also written in Luke 4.14 that as Jesus came back from the wilderness, he returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. As Jesus came to preach in the synagogue in Nazareth, he declared Isaiah's promise, uh, prophecy in himself. He says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. The power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life was then seen in his uh, subsequent miracles as he cast out demons with a word and healed all the sick who came to him. The Holy Spirit was pleased to dwell in Jesus and empower him. The Holy Spirit also empowered Jesus' disciples in various kinds of miracles that they were to do. He, he was going to empower them uh, to do what Jesus wanted them to do. Jesus said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Acts 1, 8. The Holy Spirit also gave great power to the preaching in the early church so that the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit that uh, they proclaimed the world boldly and with great power. The New Testament ends with an invitation from, from both the Holy Spirit uh, and the church together. They call the people to salvation. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Spirit of the Bride says come. The Holy Spirit continues to speak to people's hearts each day by the power of the reading and the teaching of the Scriptures. Another aspect of the empowering uh, Christians to service is the Holy Spirit's activity in giving spiritual gifts to equip Christians for ministry. In Galatians 5.22, it tells us that the gift, so we got, did get the gift of the Spirit back, the gift, not gifts or fruits of the Spirit, are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When, holy, when, when spiritual gifts are active, it is another indication of the presence of God in the Holy Spirit being at work in the church. In, in, the prayer, in our prayer lives of individual believers, we find the Holy Spirit empowering prayers and makes them more effective. In Romans 8.26, he says, we do not know how to pray as we ought, for the Spirit Himself intercedes for us 
and and signs too deep for words. Still another aspect of the Holy Spirit's work of empowering Christians for service is the empowering people to overcome the spiritual opposition of the preaching of the gospel and to God's work in his, his people's lives. It was first seen in the life of Jesus who said, If it is by the Spirit that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God is upon you. Matthew twelve twenty eight. The second thing that the Holy Spirit does is that the Holy Spirit purifies. Since this member of the Trinity is called the Holy Spirit, it is not surprising to find that one of the primary activities is to cleanse us from sin and to sanctify us to make us more whole. Even in the lives of unbelievers, there are some restraining uh, influence of the Holy Spirit as it convicts the world of sin. But when the person becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit does uh, initial cleansing work in them. So Paul says to the Corinthians, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were purified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. After the initial break from sin, the Holy Spirit brings about in in our lives uh, conversion. He also produces in us Growth in holiness of life. He brings forth the the fruit of the Spirit, as we mentioned in Galatians 5.22. And the longer that we are Christians, the more that we should reflect the image and personality of the Holy Spirit because we are being changed into His likeness from one degree of glory to another. Sanctification comes from the power of the Holy Spirit so that it is by the Holy Spirit that we are able to put to death the deeds of the body and grow in personal holiness. Our third work of the the Holy Spirit is that He reveals the whole Old Testament came about because men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, 2 Peter 1.21. The New Testament apostles and others who wrote the word of the New Testament scriptures were also uh, guided into the truth by the Holy Spirit, who also spoke to the apostles what he heard from the Father and the Son and declared to them These things are to come. Others filled with the Holy Spirit also spoke and sang songs that became part of our scriptures. He gave evidence of God's uh, presence. Sometimes it has been said that the work of the Holy Spirit is not to call attention to himself, but rather to give glory to Jesus and to God the Father. This statement is not supported by Scripture. The Bible has hundreds of verses t- 
talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, making His work known, and the Bible itself is spoken or inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit made His presence evident in the visible way that He descended as a dove on Jesus, or as the sound of the rushing wind, and with visible tongues of fires on His disciples at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit also made uh, His presence known when people has the Holy Spirit poured on them and began to speak in tongues and praise God in a remarkable and spontaneous way. Today, in the lives of individual believers, the Holy Spirit does not entirely conceal His work, but makes it known in various ways. He provides a guarantee or a down payment for our fellowship with Him in heaven and reveals His desires to us that we can be led by those desires to follow Him. From times to time, He works miraculous signs and wonders that strongly point to the power of God and the preaching of the gospel. With the Holy Spirit's works in various ways, that can be perceived by believers and non-believers. His encouraging, encourage, this encourages uh, people's faith that God is near and that He is working to fulfill His purpose in the church to bring a blessing to the people. He also guides and directs God's people. Scriptures give many examples of direct guidance from the Holy Spirit to various people. In fact, in the Old Testament, uh, it said that uh, it was a sin for the people to enter into an agreement or contract with others when those agreements were not of my spirit. Isaiah 30 verse 1. Evidently, people were deciding on the basis of their own wisdom and common sense rather than seeking guidance from the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness for the period of temptation. Mark 1.12 puts it this way, The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit... Uh, gave direct guidance to Philip, saying, Go up and join the chariot. He told Peter to go with the three men who had come from the house of Cornelius to bring Peter to Cornelius. He told the church at Antioch to set aside, to set aside for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Acts 13.2 Several times the Holy Spirit would actually transport someone to another place. The Holy Spirit transported Peter from the chariot of the eunuch to Asotus. The prophet uh, Elijah seemed to expect the Spirit to transport him to a, another location. And the prophet Ezekiel expected the Holy Spirit to lift me up. 
Most occasions of the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding the prophets were not as those uh, we just mentioned. Rather, the Spirit talks about the day-to-day guidance of the Holy Spirit of His people. <clears throat> In other cases, the Holy Spirit gave guidance to established people in various ministries in the church offices. Uh, Paul could say to some of the churches at, at, at Antioch, set aside for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have for them, I have called them to do. Paul could say that the Holy Spirit had established the elders in the Ephesian church in their offices because he said, Take heed to yourself and to all of the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He promises also a God-like atmosphere and he manifests his presence. Because the Holy Spirit uh, is fully God, he shares the attributes of God. His influence will be to bring a God-like character or atmosphere to the situation in which he is active. Because God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace, the Holy Spirit brings uh, an atmosphere of peers into the situation. The kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 14:7 Other elements of the atmosphere that the Holy Spirit can impact the work is wisdom, comfort, freedom, righteousness, hope, and awareness of the sonship or adoption uh, and even joy. So the Holy Spirit brings unity and power. He gives us assurance. The Holy Spirit bears uh, witness with His Spirit that we are children of God and given evidence of the work of God within us. He says in 1 John 3 that, And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit which He has given us. Again, in 1 John chapter 4, he says that by this we know that we, are, uh, that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us His own Spirit. The Holy Spirit not only witnesses to us that we are God's children, but we are abiding in Him. It also says that the Holy Spirit illumines each aspect of the Holy Spirit is that He teaches certain things to God's people and shows them so that, that they can understand things. Jesus said this of the Holy Spirit. He said that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring, you, bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The illumining work of the Holy Spirit 
is seen in the fact that He enables us to remember. We have received not a spirit of this world, but a spirit which is from God, that we might understand the gift best owned to us by God. We shall pray that the Holy Spirit would give us illumination and thereby help us to understand rightly when we study the scriptures or when we ponder situations in our lives. The last work of the Holy Spirit is that He unifies. When the Holy Spirit has poured out on the church at Pentecost, Peter proclaimed that the prophecy of Joel 2, 28-34 has been fulfilled. If you will look in Acts chapter 2, verses 16-18, through 18, it's, in, uh, uh, it's indented in most Bibles. And this is the, what was uh, promised in Joel 2. It said, But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. There's an emphasis on the Holy Spirit coming on a community of believers, not just on leaders like Moses or Joshua, but on the sons and daughters, the old men and young men, the men servant and maid servants. All will receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In the event the of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit created a new community, which was the church. The, this community was marked by unprecedented unity. Uh, again, if you would turn on over from Acts 2, verses 44 through 47. And all who believe were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Paul blessed the Corinthian church with a blessing that seeks the unifying fellowship of the Holy Spirit for all of us. And for all of them who say, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit uh, be with you all. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. When Paul emphasized the new unity between the Jews and the Gentiles in the church, he says that through him we both have access 
in one spirit to the Father and says that in the, in the Lord they are built into one new house of God in the spirit. <clears throat> so Paul's decision uh, of the Holy Spirit also repeat the theme of the underlying work of the Holy Spirit. We must think that people who, are, who have differing gifts would not readily uh, get together with each other. But Paul's conclusion was just the opposite. Differing gifts draws us together because we are forced to depend on each other. The differing gifts are empowered by the one and same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. So, it is in uh, the church to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it tells us that in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Jew and Greek, slave and free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So when the Holy Spirit is working strongly in a church to manifest God's presence, one evidence will be a beautiful harmony in the church community and overflowing love with one another. Let us pray. Our Father God, we thank you for the words that have been spoken this morning, for the scriptures been read. We thank you for everything that has been said about your Holy Spirit. We ask that as we work as this community of a church, that as we act as Christ's community church, that we would ask for you to empower us so that we will go out and witness. We ask that you would reveal your words to us that we can explain. We ask that you would be in our lives so that we could love and know you more each and every day. So, Father, it is in your name that we pray these words. Amen.